Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Welcome to the Lit Poetry Podcast and to today's poem, The Pulley, by George Herbert. We'll begin by listening to the poem before returning to start our discussion with some biographical information about the poet himself. I really hope you enjoy this last episode of the Season 5 Lit Poetry season. The Pulley, by George Herbert. When God at first made man, having a glass of blessings standing by, let us, said he, pour on him all we can, let the world's riches which dispersed lie contract into a span. So strength first made a way, then beauty flowed, then wisdom, honour, pleasure. When almost all was out, God made a stay, Perceiving that, alone of all his treasures, rest in the bottom lay. For if I should, said he, bestow this jewel also on my creature, he would adore my gifts instead of me, and rest in nature, not the god of nature. So both shall losers be. Yet let him keep the rest, but keep them with repining restlessness. Let him be rich and weary, that at least if goodness lead him not, yet weariness shall toss him to my breast. So let's talk a little bit about the literary context of the poem. George Herbert was born in 1593 and died in 1633. He was a fervent and poetic individual who led a modest existence as a rural clergyman in a quaint English parish. Despite being born into nobility and having an academic upbringing, he often grappled with the constraints imposed by his vocation. Although he could have easily gained recognition in royal circles, he felt an irresistible pull towards the priesthood. While Herbert did not achieve widespread acclaim for his poetry during his relatively short life, he is now celebrated as one of the most prominent figures among the metaphysical poets. This group of 17th century writers, including John Doan and Andrew Marvell, shared a unique blend of exceptional intellect, intense emotions and devout religious zeal. Herbert was not alone in his dual role as a poet and clergyman, nor in his exploration of his relationship with God through verses that occasionally resembled love songs more than religious hymns. Herbert's 1633 book, The Temple, in which the pulley first appeared, was Herbert's only poetry collection, and it might never have seen the light of day. Dying at the age of 39, Herbert left the book's manuscript to a dear friend, telling him to publish it if he felt it would do some dejected poor soul some good. His friends, suspecting it would, brought to press what would become one of the world's best-known 
and best-loved books of poetry. The temple would become a major influence on later poets such as Samuel Taylor Coleridge, T.S. Eliot and Wendy Cope. He belonged to a generation of writers grappling with profound changes and profound loss, seeking solace and strength from God. The poem in question reflects on the perplexing question of why a loving God would create a restless world, perhaps offering Herbert and his contemporaries some measure of consolation in the face of uncertainty. So the first theme I want to discuss here deals with human restlessness and God's goodness. According to the poem The Pulley, being human entails being blessed with abundant gifts, but also burdened with a restless yearning for a kind of peace and satisfaction that cannot be found on earth. The poem proposes that when God created human beings, he bestowed upon them various precious blessings, but intentionally withheld the ultimate blessing of rest. The absence of this rest results in an insatiable discontent and longing throughout earthly life. However, the speaker argues that this is part of God's benevolent design. The weariness caused by such longings eventually leads people back to finding solace in God's embrace. The speaker observes that God grants humanity a multitude of wonderful gifts, including strength, beauty and pleasure, pouring out an abundant glass of blessings upon humankind. God appears remarkably generous in this poem, yet God reserves one final gift, rest or peace. The poem suggests that if God were to grant humanity this ultimate blessing, people would become too contented on earth and would find their peace in nature rather than in the divine. In other words, if individuals were entirely satisfied during their lives, they would not yearn to reunite with God, whose embrace offers a profound peace and fulfillment surpassing anything earthly. Consequently, they would miss out on the blissful reunion with their loving creator. On the contrary, by withholding this rest, individuals can delight in life while longing for peace that only God can provide. Thus the longing for a peace beyond earthly offerings becomes a metaphorical pulley that gradually draws humanity closer to God. This concept portrays restless desires, including a yearning for permanent relief from suffering, not as flaws within an otherwise pleasant existence, but as an integral component of a wise and loving divine plan. By withholding rest, the poem suggests, God guides humanity steadily towards the heavenly peace that awaits them. So to finish up this podcast, I just want to spend a little bit of time here unpacking some of the illusions Herbert has weaved throughout this poem. The poem's illusions ground it in biblical and classical tradition, wittily playing with the foundational stories of Herbert's 17th century world. 
A Renaissance clergyman like Herbert would have been thoroughly educated not just in Christian literature but also in the classics. Every scholar of that period learned Greek and Latin and studied Greek and Roman texts. It makes sense then that an important moment in this poem feels like an inverted version of a famous myth. In the story of Pandora's box, which appears in the Roman writer Ovid and the Greek writer Hesiod, among others, the gods bestow a strange gift upon the world's first women. Pandora, a box. Pandora, a box that they tell her not to open at any cost. Of course, she can't help but take a peek. Sadly for her and for everyone else, this box contains all the world's evils. They fly out before she can get the box shut again. But one last thing remains at the bottom, hope. The gift that allows people to deal with a world full of malice, sickness and sorrow. This story might sound distantly familiar to anyone familiar with the first chapters of the biblical book of Genesis, in which Eve's curiosity is similarly blamed for humanity getting thrown out of paradise. But this poem takes a gentler view of things. But in Herbert's vision, it is God who is releasing something into the world, not humanity. And the things getting poured out here are the world's riches and abundance of blessings. It's also God who keeps one thing back, in this case, rest or peace. In this inside-out Pandora's box story, the treasure God reserves causes problems for humanity, making them eternally restless so long as they live on earth. But this problem is also a blessing, a longing for rest, the poem suggests, is what eventually leads people back to God in spite of how many delights they enjoy on earth. This vision of a wise, benevolent God also fits right in with the poem's other major illusion, the glass of blessings, which God just happens to find on the workbench while creating humanity sounds a lot like a number of other biblical cups. In Psalm 23, for instance, the psalmist, reflecting on God's abundant nature, cries, My cup runneth over. God's goodness, this cup suggests, is too much for any one person to contain. There's also a significant cup in the Gospels. Jesus offers wine to his companions at the Last Supper, telling them that it's his blood. A shared cup of wine thus became a central part of Christian ritual, representing God's self-sacrificing love for humanity. The glass of blessings here thus suggests God's overwhelming generosity and kindness. Even the idea that God happens to have a cup of all things that make life beautiful standing around suggests that there's far, far more goodness where that came from. So that's it for this week's episode, and that brings Season 5 to a close. It's time to say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this week's poem by George Herbert. We'll be back sometime towards the end of the year with Season 6. To support our work, please subscribe to the podcast or to our YouTube channel. You can also visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. The music video of this week's poem is now live on YouTube. We'll finish by listening one final time to the poem. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.
The Pulley by George Herbert When God at first made man, having a glass of blessings standing by, let us, said he, pour on him all we can, let the world's riches which dispersed lie contract into a span. So strength first made a way, then beauty flowed, then wisdom, honour, pleasure. When almost all was out, God made a stay, perceiving that, alone of all his treasures, rest in the bottom lay. For if I should, said he, bestow this jewel also on my creature, he would adore my gifts instead of me and rest in nature, not the god of nature, so both shall losers be. Yet let him keep the rest, but keep them with repining restlessness. Let him be rich and weary, that at least if goodness lead him not, yet weariness shall toss him to my breast. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.